Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. Welcome, Internet. You are now listening to another episode of Fan Bro Show, the voice of the urban geek for all nerds. This is your captain for the week, Tatiana King-Jones. The boy Ben Amin is off doing his thing for a little bit on a secret mission over in Rigel 7, but he'll be back soon. In the meantime, you have me, Tatiana King-Jones, a.k.a. Trill Quist, a.k.a. Chance the Parapper, a.k.a. Sean Jean-Luc Picard, a.k.a. Gin and Juice Urso, but I have a very special friend with me today. Why don't you uh, tell the internet that you uh, tell them? It's a blast from the past, Chico Leo, uh, aka uh, Shade Runner twenty forty nine, aka uh, Luke Beige, aka uh, Carmelo Apathy. Yes, back yes, on the spaceship. Yes. LeBron Frame. That's right. That's my other favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or what? What is it? Wholesaler Moon. Wholesaler yeah. Moon. Yeah. No, there's there's an array. I, you know, I've got a. But that's that's yeah. That's deep in the past. Wholesaler yeah, Moon. Man. Well, like you said, blast from the past. It's your boy Chico Leo. He has joined me on the spaceship to co-pilot this week, and I'm really happy that you're here, Chico, because as usual, we have lots and lots to talk about. Yeah, it's been Before, it's been a crazy, crazy week. Yeah, man. It's it's. Been a lot to say the least, but before we get into all the great fandom things, let's take a moment and want to really share some love and light to everyone that's been affected by Hurricane Harvey and all the subsequent flooding and everyone in the Houston area that's really going through it right now. I know personally, I have lots of friends that are down there. In fact, I have a friend that's been keeping me up to date with everything through Snapchat, and you won't believe how much water just sheer amounts of water that that's just there and just continuing to rise and it seems like there's no end in sight and I, I he's taking it all in stride but I from afar I'm just mortified so I've I've asked him he has he apparently he still has the internet and um and and power so I've asked him to keep in touch with me just so I can watch what's happening and keep and in case I need to jump into action I can but just like him, there's many other people in his position. There's many other people in even worse positions. And I just want to make sure that people understand that we recognize you. We see you. We we are personally doing what we can do to either donate or to help those in need. I know you um, may have some thoughts about this, Chico, as well. Well, I, I actually spoke to um, Ben last night, and I I texted uh, with IlloYC, who are both uh, Houston natives. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I think even with all that they've shown on the news and everything like that, from I get the sense that people don't really you, – you, you can't know how bad it is till you're down there. It is officially – the most rain that's ever dropped anywhere in U.S. history. Wow! Really? Yeah, like like somewhere like twenty five trillion gallons of water, which you know it's like Jesus. a meaningless number, but it's twice as much water 
as would fill up Utah's Great Salt Lake, which is one of the big, I think it's like the biggest lake in the country that's not one of the Great Lakes, tw- mm. that literally in, in like five days have dropped on uh, Houston. And, you know, also it, it went back out to see Harvey and came back. And so right. it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really, um, I mean, I think tw- at least 20 people have lost their lives. And yep, yep. a lot more than that are probably going to lose their homes, their cars, and of course, I think there's some sort of terrible Trump administration insurance law that actually goes into effect this Friday, September 1st. That will, oh my yeah, God. that will make it harder for people to file claims for natural disasters. So he said. So it, it's, it's to your point. There's there's tons of stuff like that's just going completely wrong with the situation. However, there are ways to make things a little bit right for people. I would personally suggest doing things like donating, especially if you're in that vicinity, donating to the Houston Food Bank, Corpus Christi Food Bank, Southeast Texas Flood uh, Food Bank, even helping out with, if you into animal welfare, like the Houston Humane Society, the SPCA, if you can donate blood, there is a great group called the Port Life, excuse me, the Port Light Inclusive Disaster Strategy, which helps people with disabilities in disaster areas or when disasters strike, they are kind of one of the main groups that are on the ground to make sure that everyone gets kind of kind of equal attention and make sure the people who need extra help in getting to safety get it. There's also things like GoFundMe, which has created a direct impact fund. There, uh, the the Houston mayor created the Greater Houston Community Fund. Like there's there's plenty of, and I'm a proponent of direct help. So. If, if whatever possible, I like to either give directly to someone in need or if I am available and, and, and you can actually get down there at that point, you can be a volunteer, volunteer, anywhere where you can give and donate toiletries, things like that that are absolutely necessary. Whatever you can do to help, please definitely give to the folks over in Houston area. And And unfortunately, I mean, this is the kind of thing where you would hope the government would step in and help and right now you know with 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 the government that we have it's it's the worst um and so yeah it's up to you know people stepping up um right well we will definitely do our part to step up fanbro show has always for the people by the people so we'll always make sure that our houston peoples are doing well or doing as best as they can during this horrible time Switching gears a little bit, this past weekend marked the, our second year over at Afropunk. Fanbro Show, along with The Read and The Friend Zone and Getting Grown, we were all in the Loudspeakers Network tent. We had a fantastic time over at Afropunk in Brooklyn. It was, once again, just a beautiful, beautiful event. Shouts to everyone who stopped by and said what's up to us. Shouts to all of the friends and family of LSN that came by. We know, for instance, Simone Mystics came through, a.k.a. Misty Knight. We had Cheska Lee stop through, Francesca Ramsey. DeRay was there. DeRay stopped through at one point. Yeah, he was there last year as well. So definitely kudos. And also to everyone who's actually listening to the show and hangs out with all of us and was really happy to be there. Like we told you, we were giving away free stuff. We had free teas and free figurines and everything from Loot Crate. And just generally just hanging out with everybody. So you guys missed the good one if you couldn't make it. Yeah, no. Afropunk, definitely. I I had a great time. I was actually a little worried that, you know, you can't go home again or, you know, you can't repeat. I had such a good time last year. And um, (laughs) it was great. Um, 
And yeah, having the tent there, I mean, it was definitely just nonstop people coming through, like, you know, friends, listeners, you know, we had, you know, Queen and Jay uh, from their podcast came through, Caroma, yes. the Blurred Girl. I mean, it was, a, it was a, you know, all, you know, the whole time, um, just just a really good time, got to catch some good acts. Um, it was all, uh, you know, uh, Princess Nokia was really dope. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, SZA. it was, yeah, yeah, SZA. SZA, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, uh you know, and yeah, we, I got to kick it with Misty Knight because uh, you know the last time we talked to Simone Missick or the last time I talked to her was right before Luke Cage dropped. So I mean, I remember telling her, I was like, you know, your life is just going to change so much, and um, she <laughs> and was, yeah, I mean, she, yeah, and so um, yeah, I mean, even uh, even without Misty Knight's new bionic arm, she was, uh, you know, she she had that glow. Oh, yes, and that's actually a great segue into that very topic because we just saw a beautiful picture. I say beautiful because it it makes you excited for what's to come, but a great picture that came through from Entertainment Weekly featuring a picture of Luke Cage and Misty Knight, and the difference this time is Misty has her bionic arm. Now, when I first saw this, I was like, okay, this looks super temporary, and this is not the Stark Tech injected type arm that you're kind of used to seeing if you read the comics or at least seen some of that art. So Chico, what exactly are we looking at? Because from what I understand, this is what she has, at least in this shot, is Rand Tech uh, bio, like a bionic arm. And, and in my view, I think maybe it's going to be upgraded later. Right, so I don't, I don't know because they haven't... Um... You know, they haven't been doing the crossover of the Netflix TV universe and the cinematic universe as much. As everyone who saw Luke Cage know, they sort of teased her losing her arm. You actually thought that was going to happen in Luke Cage, and it didn't. Um, and spoiler alert, although it's been, uh, by the time you hear this, it's been two weeks. But uh, spoiler mm-hmm. alert, uh, Misty Knight does lose her arm in um, The Defenders. Which, uh, you know, again, ju- just came on Netflix like two weeks ago. And so, yeah, Rantech might be their, like, you know, the Netflix version of Stark. They might, I don't know how much crossover they're going to do. Um, we haven't seen any of the movie character. I mean, there's been more crossover with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the movie universe um although not not so much but um right. you know then but there has Marvel, been so i don't know if in fact they're going to do that um i don't know right. if you but, know ev- but marvel tv does incorporate when i say marvel tv i the include netflix, netflix yeah. stuff with it but but they even though you may not see the actual characters they do incorporate and continue what has happened in the movies for instance throughout all the netflix shows there's always reference to the incident right or the battle of new york because all the netflix shows take place in new york so i don't know if if that's going to be the final one or if that you know if if it's going to keep getting upgraded um you know so i you know people have been uh hitting me on twitter and uh we talked about doing a special delivery about the defenders but then with um you know, Afro getting ready for Afropunk and Ben's spacewalk and everything like that. It kind of fell through the cracks. I know I liked uh, the Defenders a lot more than Ben did. Um, I had low expectations. I think Danny Rand, Iron Fist, is pretty much as whack in this. At, Danny Bland. Yeah, Danny Bland, exactly, as he was in Iron Fist. But the difference is you have Jessica Jones, you have Luke Cage, you have Misty Knight, you have Daredevil, you have Stick, you have Colleen Wing. Like, you have all these other characters 
And so it very much mitigates. I mean, it's like if you if you were a kid and you didn't like eating Brussels sprouts, there's a lot different having three Brussels sprouts on your plate or eating an entire meal of Brussels sprouts. And that's what, <laughs> you know, Iron Fist was a whole meal of Brussels sprouts with the occasional pork chop in there with, uh, you know, with Colleen Wing. But um, I also hated the Meachums. I, you know, I thought, you know, half of Iron Fist was just, it was just like boardroom drama. Um so I, I enjoy, I thought having, you know, they didn't do much with Jessica Jones and um, Daredevil's supporting cast. Like, Colleen Wing yeah. and Misty Knight have much bigger roles than, say, Malcolm and Trish from um, Jessica Jones' world and right. Foggy yeah. and... Um, well, I figured that's because they kind of are, are rebalancing the scales. Right. Whereas those characters obviously had a huge role in the aforementioned shows. You didn't get as much Misty Night as you could have, so now they were like, okay, let's increase it. And, and they also increasing the the vision the, the vicious of people you want to see. Yes, like I want to see more Colleen. I want to see more Misty. And of course, shout out to Claire who has been in every single show so far. And <clears throat> yes. actually, shout out to I mean, there's one great. Uh, so the first two episodes I thought were actually a little whack. Like they could have done a better <laughs> job of sort of getting everybody together. But once they get the gang together, I thought it was really great, like episodes three to eight. This one was also different because it was eight episodes as opposed to 13. And I thought it worked fine. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, and so I I, I, I definitely, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought that the fight scenes with Iron Fist were a little better than the fight scenes from the original Iron Fist show, which were pretty terrible. So Chico, what would you rank the Defenders? Because last time, last week when Ben was talking about it, he actually ranked it below Iron Fist. Right. In fact, I, the, he had it on the bottom. I, and I think list. that, I mean, there's no, I mean, I don't even know how to, how to even respond to that without using ableist commentary in terms of, uh, you know, that that's insane. I mean, they, I definitely, I mean, the Defenders was definitely better than um, Iron Fist, without a doubt. Um, I enjoyed it. I actually have been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And um, I watched The Avengers, which I just was not as big a fan of. And I thought that The Defenders overall was better, was a better sort of bringing together a group of heroes than, say, The Avengers. Although I know that's, you know, that's a statement that's going to get, you know... That's a huge. It thing. is. I mean, I I don't know. I, I I'm not as big well, a fan of the of the two Avengers movies. Oh, I love Civil War. Um, right. Well, maybe you can make a case for yourself a little later. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more fanboys. Universal FanCon is a brand new convention coming to the Baltimore Convention Center in April of 2018. FanCon will be a round-the-clock event featuring comics, cosplay, gaming, celebrity guests, music, and more with a focus on diversity and inclusion. Get your tickets now at UniversalFanCon.com because geek is universal. And welcome back, Internets. I know you've been enjoying this amazing episode of Fan Bros Show, but we are about to turn it up all the way up, as we've been doing all year in 2017. We are bringing you the most lame interviews, and we have yet another one, because joining us in the spaceship tonight are the creators of Generation Gone, one of my favorite comics out right now. You've heard all about it on Comics I Copped, and now we have Andre Lima Araujo. Woo! Woo! And Alesh 
hot here in the spaceship tonight. Let's welcome all to the spaceship. Hi, yay! Thank you. Was that a joyful woo, Andre, or was that? A, yeah, oh my no, God, my name. Perfect. Oh, name. No, no, okay. No. Wow, incredible. The, the butcher. Podcast. I don't know how did you got it. Someone must have told you how to pronounce it. <laughs> it's, it's got it perfect. <laughs> <laughs> the butcher of names doesn't strike, but you know, the, about four the episode is over. Don't worry about that. I'll I'll be back. <laughs> oh. Just perfect. All right. Well, we like we said, you two are the creators of Generation Gone. You know, of course, you've both done all kind of different work in the industry, but I feel like Generation Gone just struck a chord with like the public, with critics, mm -hmm. because before I could even recommend it to people, you know, or even talk about it on the show, I just saw so many reviews where people are like, "Yo, Generation Gone is crazy." You know, and then like I talk about it on the show and everyone who went and bought it hits me back like, yo, I love this. So what is it about it that you think j just struck, you know, such the right tone with the public right now? Great drawings. <laughs> That's all you need, right? <laughs> no, I'm joking. I think it's a great story. I think uh, I'll let Alias speak a bit more about it because it was his concept, but I think that it's the story that struck a chord with people, the characters. I think they connected with uh, what was going on there. And basically, that's always the, the thing that hooks people up. It's the characters, good characters, good stories. So for, everyone who, for people who haven't yet read the book, what would you say is the central theme of Generation Gone? Um, you know, it's it's kind of. I mean, Andre, do you want to go first, or I mean, I can I can talk for hours. You know, I'm right. Yeah, I'll I'll give them the the short beat, and then you talk for hours. Yeah, do it. It's about well, it's it's mostly in the title, at least for me. It's what it's about. It's about the this generational fight that we are seeing right now. That my generation and Alia's generation is being. I think that all all generations are looked down by the previous generation and mm -hmm. now we see that this one is suffering the same thing mm -hmm. you know like as if uh, they are of no worth or we are of no worth and um what we see is a bunch of kids going through exactly that feeling that they don't have a future really and it's it's hard for them to see what they will be and what the world will be for them when they get old and more grown up and um i think it's about that mostly and uh, everything that comes with it, you know, it's, it doesn't make life easy for for no one to have such a, a giant conflict thrown upon them. And to be looked down, which is always a, a, a an awful feeling for for people. And I think that's being because of the technology that we have nowadays, that's been a, an overall image that's very negative about the, this generation. And uh, I think that they feel especially that in the book. And I think that's why probably so many people have connected with it from the get-go. Mm. Now you can talk for hours. I mean, you know, uh, I think that Andre said it really well, which is surprising because he's an artist. So, you know, he shouldn't be talking oh, much. Fuck but, you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, really, it, at a core, it is about, it's about generational conflict. And then within that generational conflict, it's also about how, you know, how ideally we also maybe find ways to cooperate as generations. But also on a more personal level between the characters, it's also about uh, an internal conflict between different views of how the same generation should go about, you know, it's... Um, its life and its survival and its, uh, you know, its ways to finding ways to thrive. 
So you can sort of see glimpses of that conflict between the main characters and they get more and more pronounced as we go on. Right. Um, so yeah, that's kind of it, you know, that's the micro and the macro of it. I would say, you know, when we're, um, when I would be talking, when I would be talking to anyone, you know, and selling it, I would definitely say like, yeah, the generational conflict is the main thing. But mm -hmm. I also think that in a way, when I was, when I was looking at Generation Gone and how I wanted to write it as a comic, I'm not, not necessarily sure that this was completely like 100% conscious, but I was pretty conscious. I really loved those um, movies that David Cronenberg made after he made like, you know, all the like very classic sort of like Cronenberg era stuff. And then he made like a history of violence and he mm. made Eastern Promises. Mm. which are very, like, classic genre movies, mm -hmm. but they also take some pretty unpredictable turns. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to do that with, with Generation Gone as a comic because I went, okay, you know, I understand that I could do something that would be very, very, very mainstream, but I feel like there's a really cool way to do something that is mainstream at the same time feels really, really raw. And so I went there, and I think that that rawness becomes only more and more palpable as we go uh, through the remainder of what we call the first volume of, and you know, sort of like it's the the first story arc, which is its own big thing yeah. uh, that ends with issue five. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. One of my favorite lines in the very first issue it comes from Mr. Akio when he says that we we become the stories we tell ourselves, and I thought that was just really super profound, and like that's what really caught me in the first issue and just got me hooked. And is that something you apply to your own lives? And will we see more of that in the book itself? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, first of all, yeah, that's totally, that's totally something that I live by. I think that people constantly, you know, live, live the stories that they tell, tell themselves. And I think becoming conscious of the stories that you're telling yourself about yourself and becoming conscious of the stories that other people live by or might be spreading around some consciously, some unconsciously, some somewhere in between is really, really crucial for like healthy life. You know, I think self-awareness really matters. And I also think that it's something that definitely pops up in the book more and more because you can sort of see it and how, for example, you know, Ellie goes about sort of like trying to, you know, be, uh, reclaim her own story, how she's trying to be, creating it rather than uh, succumbing to to it. Whether with Nick, you get more of a sense of, oh, you know, this guy um, is sort of, his story is sort of being angry. You can even see it in the first conversation in issue one when they're staring at the stars. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you know, man, you can man. already you can already see that right there. So, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's in the DNA since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a great writer. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, I never read that shit because I don't even read the script. I just drew it and he, he wrote the dialogue over it. No, I'm just kidding. It's a great line, actually. The, the book has many great lines. I like that one, too. You know, I love history. So I read and uh, sometimes you see that uh, some people get... Um, I read a lot about history and you see that some people really became the stories that they told, even though yeah. most of it was bullshit. So yeah, it's important the stories that we tell about ourselves and the stories that we make about ourselves and the way that we sell it to other people. It's about uh, making yourself to, to be whatever you, you want to be. Right. And of course, you will be always limited by your situation and by your surroundings. But it's important to be self-aware and to know where you are. 
and uh, to know to know that it's key to to get to where you want to go i think on the other side of things i know a, a very common saying is don't believe in, t in your own legend um so while it's great to be self-aware also don't i don't know if that's empowerment or if it's just to keep you humble but believing in that you know you you are basically god status at this point because i know a lot of people you can name you can name some music um, people, music artists that believe in their own legend. And I think that's also taken in some of the characters, because I want to get into the characters a little bit. Um, why is Nick so rude? Oh, he's just a motherfucking asshole. He's so rude. And I was just sitting there like, I, I, no, from the first two pages. I, <laughs> from the first line of speech. Right. <laughs> you have no idea how much I hate that man. And I have <laughs> no, I did. I, I remember telling this to, to Alice. And but he, he he has his reasons, I think, and you will find them out as you read. But he's one of those things that you were talking about that is so far up on his own ass that yeah. he just thinks that he's always right no matter what. And there's one thing that I've learned that you never get the right to treat other people badly, no matter how much you have suffered. Mm. And I think that's that's an important thing to, to keep in mind in your life. And of course, and I think that Alice was putting a was pulling from from this notion a bit at least that's how i interpreted it you know even though you might have suffered a lot you have no right to put down other people all right Arya and sansa stark learned something from you <laughs> <laughs> absolutely hey no spoilers because i haven't seen the last episode yet hey, no oh spoilers. okay no spoilers no, no spoilers. spoilers but yeah they oh, can because learn. if you start talking i shut down this podcast and it's another <laughs> one <from the> <laughs> no spoilers they could learn something from you though <laughs> um, Alice, you also once said that every bit of art is political. Even when you're not being political, you're still taking a political stance. Can you expand on that um, for the listeners? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'll combine I'll, I'll combine both of those questions really. Um, Perfect. In regards in regards to Nick, um, you know, the thing is, we sort of started seeing some things early on, but they might be a little too subtle for even for my taste retrospectively, so um, I made sure that they are more pronounced later in the script. Because, for example, when you see him in his house, you see him pass, uh, you see him pass an empty uh, room in the house, or rather the room doesn't have a, the person that is supposed to be in there, and that's his brother. And um, there's a few sort of little bits where you realize that something happened with his brother, and that that might be a part of why... Um, why he might be the way he is, at least in part, that there might be sort of an unresolved trauma. And, uh, you know, we, we build up on that a little bit. But mm -hmm. it's also exactly like Andre said, you know, just because you've suffered doesn't mean that you're allowed to treat other people like an asshole. But I also think that it's really important to, uh, to look at someone like Nick and go, wow, all of this stuff is coming from very, very basic insecurity, you know, that a lot of people and especially a lot of guys have. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, when when we go, well, this could never be me, you know, I think I think it's really important to notice that oftentimes when we like to think about characters like that in fiction, there really not isn't much of a line between us and them. There is just our actions, you know, and uh it's kind of like there's no good or bad people. You're really just a sum of your actions. So if you do bad shit all your life, that's what you end up <laughs> as. But, um, but I think it's really, really important to remember that. I think that he's in a way a mirror for uh, one of the possible mirrors to which uh, look at how personal responsibility 
affects everyone and how everyone in the story works with it differently. You know, you have Akio who just decides that he's going to give these kids, uh, you know, possible powers, but he doesn't know that it's going to work. It might hurt them. It might kill them, you know, like he's not sure. That's another case of just like someone making a really shit decision. But wow, because the kids got superpowers, most people are probably not going to think about it twice, at least not in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So... There are various shades of uh, of gray, and I think with Nick, they spin more in you know the really really bad direction at least so far. And uh, with Akio, they're more in the gray zone, and Ellie and Baldwin are more like staying staying on the right side of the lane and trying to figure out how to do things in a way that's sort of healthy. And uh, yeah. you know that really that really kind of applies to the thing about politics. I mean. There's literally no way, if you live in society, there is literally no way any of your acts ever are not going to be political, you know? You don't have to beat people overhead with it, but we live in capitalism, uh, like, about, like, probably, like, half to third of our products are created by people who are effectively slaves um, in other countries. Um we have, uh, you know, I mean, slavery until a slightly different name, which is pretty much just what the uh, prison, you know, prison, prison industrial complex is, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. We have, we have so much shit that we're completely unresolved with and that, you know, this, like society and especially white supremacy works on just because... Uh, just because we've learned how to overlook it and how to overlook our personal responsibility and our culpability in it, you know, um, for many, many, many of us, you know, like talking to pretty much like every white person listening to this. Um, and um, so when I think about really any decision that I make, I have to think from that perspective and I have to think from the perspective of, okay, everyone to some extent is culpable, but how do I reduce that? How do I minimize that? How do I work against that, you know, in the ways that I can? And it's also what the characters are are sort of being confronted with. They have to make decisions that, you know, they will affect the world. They feel really ineffectual in the beginning. They feel like they aren't hurt. They feel like they, whatever they do will have no effect. And suddenly by the end of the first issue, holy fucking shit, they know, they realize that they, their words actually will have so much effect that they have to decide really carefully what to do with it. And for someone like Nick with like, you know, um, like white boy with anger issues who um, feels alone and not listened to and is obviously in plenty privileged in some ways, like that might go in a really, really bad way. Mm-hmm. And for someone like Ellie who... Um, you know, is really trying hard to sort of like maintain uh, some semblance of like order in her family and keep the roof over her heads for her and her mom and so on. Um, and also just like pay off the cancer treatments and stuff for her mom. Like she's just trying, you know, and so is Baldwin in many ways, who has loftier goals already, which will come into play in the second uh, story arc way more. Um, just looking at all of that and looking at how they deal with it is sort of a core of, of what's really going to be happening. And I don't think that we have to beat anyone overhead with it. Yeah. I don't think that every story um, needs to be political in a way that immediately telegraphs, hey, look at how political we are. The politics can come through the personal choices that the characters make about each other. <laughs> 
I actually wanted to add on to that because like you were saying about Nick, I actually have to say that I see a lot of him in myself, even though I know I'm not that much of an asshole like he is. You know, his very first line when when Ellie tells him that she loves him and he's like, all right, but you have to say it so much. You know, like you said, that's that insecurity that a lot of men face. And we might not all say it the same way, but I know I've felt that way, you know, because I'm like, oh, why are you so emotional or something like, dude, it's not that serious. And but, you know, it's that insecurity that leads people to say that. So I really like that. And I'm glad that you you know, accept that, you know, that not only do we not have to like this character, but we might be closer to him than we all want to accept. Yeah, that's, I, that's about awesome. Nick, I just, Thank I, uh, no, I, about Nick, I just, I was thinking that he's what he, he is an asshole, and he is, but that doesn't mean that can be, that uh, there can't be empathy with him, which mm-hmm. I think, it's always this thing, you don't have to excuse someone to understand him, and I think this is true about Nick, and you will understand him, you don't have to excuse him, though. Mm-hmm. And yes, he is, insecurity plays a big part here. And I keep, I, I read a couple of weeks ago a sentence, I can't remember who was saying it. It was a quote, it's a nice quote. I think it was a woman that was saying, it's a, it's a famous quote from a woman, I can't remember her name, maybe you guys do. She said, men are afraid women will laugh at them, from them, but women are afraid men will kill them. Mm. Uh, that's Margaret yeah. Atwood. Mm. Okay, and I always keep thinking about that because men, when they are insecure, they can get pretty violent yes. towards mm-hmm. women, for example, which is completely despicable behavior, you know. But in case of Nick, uh, we'll never excuse it, but you can understand it later on. But he just can't. It's just one of those things that he can't understand, and uh, how do you say? Um, he can't work it through. That's his way of. He's, he shuts down or he's insecure. He's just, he's just, uh, he's just an asshole. That's what he is. He's, he's acting like one, you know, I think, yeah. I think it's important. I think it's important to always know that people can in fact change, you know, no one's like an asshole for life. I think, I think oh, that, no. I think that people, I think that people, um, when people, we were talking about like how people tell each other, tell themselves the stories, right. And then believe them. I think that the moment you give into that idea, that you're fixed as a person to be a certain way and that you can't evolve from something is when you lock yourself into a box that is, you know, will be really, really hard to get out of. And when, when you do that, when you think that, you know, world is a certain way and it will always put you down, it will always hurt you, then, you know, that, that's where the logic from something like war comes from, you know, like most wars come from that. Men are responsible for like freaking absolute majority of all the wars that ever happened anywhere, you know, mm-hmm. whether we're talking like even like classic, like, you know, like even if we're talking classics like like Trojan War, come on, you know, like that's that's too that's too bros fighting over a woman. Like, come on. <laughs> like, oh, but, but that was completely your fault. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um uh, and, uh, you know, the, the thing is, it's like, yeah, this is something we all deal with. You know, it's like we all live in a patriarchal society and we all have that conditioning to deal with, you know, and it doesn't necessarily go away simply. And I really like what you said, you know, where you're like, I see that there are similarities with Nick, you know, and mm-hmm. the thing is like, yeah, I mean, ideally, yeah, um, you know, I absolutely I would go like, yeah, we all like that's something that we are all given 
very early on, unless we're incredibly lucky as children and just like for some reason live in an environment that we're, we're, but no, even then we're still interacting with it, whether we want to one way or another, unless we live on an island somewhere like a paradise utopia, you know? And the thing is, um, I think it's, you know, each, each person's responsibility really to, to figure out what those parts are and then figure out how to unlearn them. You know, and, uh, you know, then take them and throw them into the sun or transform them into things that are actually healthy, you know, because it's it's one thing to have like a, to have a certain drive or, you know, for example, have an anger, have anger, right? But the thing is, what do you do with the anger? It's one thing to be like, okay, well, I'm really angry because I feel like I'm not heard, right? But it's another uh, to decide that you're going to take it out on your girlfriend or are you going to do something with that anger? Are you going to try to do something creative? Are you going to try to do something that turns that anger into an energy that drives you, you know, whether yeah. that's it can be anything, you know, for some kids, it's it's sports, you know, for some kids, it's writing for some kids. It might be I don't know, like it can be literally anything. It, yeah, yeah, I think you think it. Uh, for example, it, it was it is about being able to process your frustrations mm-hmm. the correct yeah. way, right? Not unloading them on other people. And I remember when I was a kid, uh, I was once watching a, a soccer game with my father, and we always watch the the soccer games together. And uh, I remember that I was pissed because my team lost, and I was just doing stupid things. I was like eight years old or something, and he's, and he, I remember he telling me. Uh, shut the fuck up that's not the way that you react to this kind of stuff this is you know it's over you get over it you deal with it you don't need to unload it on other people and be an asshole and i remember that uh, that thing it was it was a good lesson you know because we can't just unload all of our shit over uh, other people we need to deal with it and uh, and that's the way to do things yeah, and we can communicate about it, but the way to communicate about it is by, you know, being being careful about our words and about our actions in the first place, you know, and it's a never-ending process, you know. The last thing I would want to know is, you know, for someone to go, oh, wow, yeah, so, you know, this guy, like, must have all of his issues solved or shit like that. Like, no, hell no, you never stop. You're, you. This is literally a story about the constant evolution, you know? It's, yeah. like, literally what happens within the first issue. We always evolve. It's when we decide that we stopped evolving that we get into places that are really bad. And whether, you know, whether some characters break through that and some don't, you're going to find out later. All right. All right. Well, now it's time for the rap segment on rapid fire questions. And first up, we have the Falcon or War Machine. Oh, a War Machine. You know, just Falcon with his little fucking wings. War Machine would tear him down. Pluck <laughs> 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 his wings out, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, Falcon has like a Falcon has a certain kind of glam that I'm like into. Like that that just sounds like you know. Oh. Just, yeah, look at me. Like, I'm a writer. I prefer Falcon. No, you prefer War Machine. <laughs> no, I actually, you know, I actually don't. And also, I already and I like I wrote War Machine for Marvel, and I'm like over it. So I'm like, no, like Falcon. Yeah, I think I think I would go with Falcon. I'll, like if I wanted to hang out with one of those two guys, then I would want to hang out with Falcon. So yeah. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Luke Cage or Black Panther? Black Panther. Oh, okay, that, that's hard. Black Panther, and you will know why in a few months. 
Oh, oh, wow. I actually drew Black Panther on an issue of Spidey and I just, I loved it. Nice. Nice. All right. Um, Who is Black Panda? Did what? you say Black Panda? No, I'm, jo <laughs> I'm joking. I'm, I'm totally panda, Black Panda, Panda, Panda. Actually, I, I totally want to. I want totally want to make a character named Black Panda. Just if, <laughs> if I'm ever if I'm ever like writing something for Marvel again, which I'm probably not, um, it would be really fun to have. A as long as you put us in the book, then we're good. Panda. That is actually a huge. Yeah, it has to be a fan of like and that character has to be a fan of Black Panther, and Black Panther has to be really not amused by Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> a stalker, a stalker. Then it's like almost like it's like it's like an unwanted sidekick stalker. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, I choose Black Panda, but no, um, really, oh God, that's really hard. I don't know. I would just like go go get a meal with them both. They seem like really nice guys. So I don't know. That's okay. Hi. Just a side note, is this the slowest rapid fire game ever? <laughs> it's in the top five. <laughs> it's top five. It's top five. <laughs> yeah. That's okay, though. This is good. All right. The Wire or Breaking Bad? Oh, the wire. fuck off. I can't. I, uh, the Wire, yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Love Breaking Bad, but Breaking Bad got a little bit too high on its own supply in the last season. Seasons three and four are some of the best seasons of TV I've ever seen. True indeed. Um, like completely incredible. But The Wire, I have not seen a TV show do what The Wire did uh, ever. So, yeah. Magneto yeah. or Professor X? Um, Professor X, yeah. I Magneto like really never... Character. Oh, he never really, like, yeah, Magneto is kind of like, I don't know, like, whatever. Professor X seems like, you know, like, that's a good wingman at a party. <laughs> oh, he's very interesting, yes. I love how just, all yours are about drinking or eating or partying. Or partying. Like, yeah. who would be cool to yeah. take out? <laughs> no, you see, no, so like, you can literally, you can literally say... Gone. You can literally say, like, oh, we're rolling into the club, and we're actually going to be rolling into the club. Oh, God. Oh, oh okay. God. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like Professor X would high-five me. He would be like, man, actually, I'm so happy someone's not taking life completely seriously. <laughs> oh, God. It's like, you know, everyone <laughs> cries around me all the time. People die all the time. I just want to go to the club and have some fun. I'm so happy you're my friend, Alice. I'd be like... Man, Angry no tweets problem. coming in. Three, two, one. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, and horror. Let's talk about horror for a minute. Mike Myers, Freddy, or Jason? Uh, I, I don't think I've ever watched any of those movies, but I like... <laughs> which one is the motherfucker with a hockey mask? Jason. Jason. Okay, you can't be Jason. I mean, you know, Jason Jason gets kicked out first just because the movies are the least uh, the least fun as far as I'm concerned. Um, mm -hmm. They're still fun, but they're not that great. Um, I'm you see how he shits? No, sorry, <laughs> you see how he shits on all of my choices? Yeah, well done. You know, you should have watched those movies. Um, anyway, um, you know, also I'm missing Leatherface from your, from your selection. Oh, okay. But anyway... Um, and then it was Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger. Yep. Okay, so Michael Myers is amazing because Michael Myers has the thing, you know, where it's like when he's done right in a movie, he's a monolithical, impersonal, evil, 
thing that doesn't even it feels only like half human it feels like oh there's my something god this is this is rapid fire <laughs> oh, no. look if you want my answer to take five minutes i can i can i can totally give that but with freddy the thing is freddy has most fun and freddy is like the most fun to watch when the movies are done right like freddy's an inventive creepy horrifying character yeah. so i would go um for a tie between those two because I love them both and I will totally write movies with them both. Alex, we need to get, we need to get him on screen. Uh, screen yeah, live. we definitely do. Yeah. We, have, we have a horror podcast. We got to get you on to talk about Hell this Hell yeah! Please! <laughs> All right. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. <laughs> uh, Star Wars it can be. Okay. I'm not a crazy about any. I like other science fiction. That's oh, all. Yeah, Don't kill me, please. Yeah, I love a lot of sci-fi. I've just never been that big into Star Trek, but I, I appreciate it for its enormous, enormous qualities and uh, Thank message. You. Thank you. Yes. All right. What is your favorite Wesley Snipes movie? Oh, which one? Hey. That one with uh, Stallone. Which one? is Demolition Man. Demolition yeah, man. Demolition yeah. Man. That's a close shit. call. That's a close call. Yeah. No, Demolition Man is the best. Yeah. Played. Still, Demolition still Man is the one where uh, uh, Stallone goes to the yes, to the toilet. <laughs> yes. To the toilet, right? And he needs yes, to first yes, in order yes. to get the paper to wipe his ass. The seashells. I mean, Yes. yes. I never understood. How the fuck do you clean your ass with a seashell? <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> it's impossible. What the fuck is that? Wesley Snipes was the only one sane in that movie, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In any Wait. medium, um, books, comics, TV, film, whatever, what character's death hurt you the most? Mm-hmm. That's a... Uh, oh, God. I can't remember. Oh, I remember when I when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got uh, the book with um, Gwen Stacy dying. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Peter I Parker. Really, I was, yes, yes, yeah. uh, yes. The book where Gwen Stacy dies in the hands of the Green the Goblin. Goblin. Yep. Yeah. That that was a really dramatic issue. I was like eight years old or something when I read it, and I said, "Shit, I don't want to read." She said, "Shit," at eight years old. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I was really small. My mother would buy me the comic books, and we had that one. Uh, we, it was trans- Portuguese translations, and I, I read that one, and I remember this shit is dramatic. <laughs> Imagine little Alice with yeah. a mustache. This I was really small, I was really eight, seven years old. I was not older than that, and that that was is one tough issue. Uh, one thing that I recalled was uh, the um, adaptation of. Um, Kazuo Ishiguro's um, Never Let Me Go. Oh, okay. Which was, I think, written by uh, Alex Garland, which is this amazing, understated, sort of like sci fi drama movie with Andrew Garfield and Carrie Milligan and Karen Knightley. And one of the characters um, dies at the end um, for reasons that become pretty clear throughout the movie. And I just remember going, yeah, holy fuck. And I was, I was yeah. in the cinema and I was like, yep, okay, that got me. You know, I remember bawling and being like, yep, that's, that's solid. That's why I go to cinema. So that was pretty good. Um, and I rewatched it since. I'm pretty sure it got me the same way the second time. All right. So finally, if you can have any one superpower, what would it be? I always get torn between the classic flying. Right. 
and uh, the the one from uh, the telekinesis or mind reading. Which one though? You want to move something? Uh, mind or you want to read minds? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm. Uh, what? Which one is the power of uh, Professor X? How do you say it? Telepathy. 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 Yes. Telepathy. Okay. Yes, that's worth it. I always get that because I like the idea that, you know, you're just sitting on a corner, really creepy, looking at people. And I know what you're thinking, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> I can see right through you. <laughs> I always have that idea. Because, I, you know, if I had that superpower, I don't know if I do anything other than just Be creepy. fuck with people. <laughs> no, just not being creepy in that way, but, you know, just fuck with people. Asking them questions and then I know what you're going to answer this. <laughs> Andre, I just want to point out that that is creepy. Um, <laughs> um, also, yeah, this, so, you know, this is the end of our collaboration. As um, uh, um, yeah, for, as, as for me, um, I mean, you know, ultimately, I think that I would go with like something really non-flashy, but I think really useful, like healing. Like if I if I could just like if I could heal heal a person you know whether myself or like other other person yeah by by essentially like being like okay you know here now you're healed then I think that would be like they'll seriously be better than you know kind of anything else. Um, you want to lay hands on yeah, them like a Baptist you know? preacher? Yeah, them? basically I want to. Yeah, I just want to be Jesus. <laughs> you want to be rich. I just want to be Jesus. Okay. You want to get rich? That's what you want. No! I'm, no! I'm no, gonna get rich. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna so good. You charge it for the people. healing? Of no, course. No, I'm gonna get rich. I'm gonna get rich through other stuff. I'm already writing. I'm gonna get rich just fine with that and the other stuff. Like, no, this is just like doing on the side, doing good thing on the side. I don't even need anyone to know. <laughs> oh, I'm shut up! You would brag about it. Yeah. No, sorry. That's just that's just <laughs> how I am. Yeah. So you're a part-time yeah. healer and you do hair. Got it. Yeah, I mean, look, look, like, Andre. If you don't believe me, just try reading my mind. Oh, I know what you're thinking, motherfucker. <laughs> I can hear it. <laughs> yeah, I think you can. Uh, okay, well, yeah, that's my answer. All right. Well, thank you both for joining us here on the spaceship tonight. Please let the internets out there know where they can find you at. Yeah, they can find me in Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm at. E-R-D-N-A-11. E-R-D-N-A is Andreas spelled backwards. And uh, I'm also on Tumblr, my full name, and on Instagram. Those are, those are the places where I'm most active and I share lots of stuff from my drawings, constantly posting pictures there of work in progress, that kind of stuff. Awesome. And if you can chat about Generation Gone, you can just go to Twitter. And I've been talking to a lot of readers, uh, as as Al has been, in the last, uh, since uh, the number one came out. So come join the fun. What about you? <laughs> like, uh, like, I'm not really busy healing someone right now. Yeah, I'm currently practicing self-care. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm reclaiming my time. Um, <laughs> you want to self-care like Steve Bannon self-care? Oh, oh. wow. Oh. <laughs> they just throw sledgehammers at each other. I, just, I, I could resist. You know, I could anyway. resist. <laughs> Andre, look, you know, like sometimes, sometimes doing podcasts and watching porn on the other computer at the same time <laughs> is self-care. Um, anyway, um, yeah, my uh, my Twitter ID is a l e s underscore k o t. Um, that's a really good way to uh, contact me. You know, that's how you found me for the podcast as well, and how you found yep. us. And uh, 
that's kind of that's kind of really the the best way to find me on anything and follow me there or the same a l e s underscore k o t on Instagram. Also great, especially if you like nudes or actual <laughs> photographs. Yeah. Of, I, I love uh, the tie-in right back to the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Here we are again. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, but I am the creepy one, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that's Come but on. that's different because you know that's people can come and people can uh, people can take a look at my content and they can decide yeah. whether they do like the content that they are seeing or not and then follow or not. You know, and um, I want to give them that choice because this is free market and, uh, you know, and uh, I uh, am Alish Kott and I believe in free market. No, I don't. I'm totally communist. Uh, anyway, this was great. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. All right, fan bros. Make sure you go out and check out Generation Gone. First issue in stores now. Second issue will be out before you know it. And we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more fan bros. Hi, this is Marjorie Liu, and when I'm not bitching about Ex Machina the movie, I'm listening to Fan Bros. This is Ta-Nehisi Coates, and when I am not reading Wicked and Divine or Darth Vader or Velvet, I'm chilling with the Fan Bros. Hello, this is Lexi Alexander. When I'm not on Twitter or kicking people to the head, I'm listening to Fan Bros Show. Should I try it without an accent? It'll never happen. This is Daniel Jose Older. When I'm not writing best-selling ass novels, I'm listening to the Fan Bros. Hi guys, it's Alfred Woodard. And when you are not skiing, roller skating, skateboarding, punching people out, you should be listening to Fan Bros. The best people are. Okay, gotta go. Love you, love you. Bye-bye. Musicality. All right, welcome back, Fan Bros. Back to Fan Bros Show. It's Tatiana King Jones along with the Chico Leo LeBron Frames himself. And we're back to go right into one of our most favorite, favorite segments. The Guac is Extra. And this week in The Guac is Extra, the first question is from Wilt Graham. What does Will Graham say? Uh, what are your thoughts on Anna Diop being cast as Starfire? Um, I think, I mean, I think it's dope. I mean, I I think a lot of people are, you know, still, I'm I'm not hung up on the, you know, race bending. If that, I mean, she's an alien, you know, she's an, how is it race, that's what I'm I was going to say, there's no race alien. bending. <laughs> Any human being who plays her is going to be, well, I don't know, that, didn't people, I saw people when they, on Twitter, of course, you know, well, actually, and, and, you know, I mean, this is a character who is, I mean, her name is Coriander, which is a spice in your spice cabinet, and she's from the planet of Tamarin, which is also a spice <laughs> in your spice cabinet. So, I mean, you know, yes, and she's an alien. I mean, I, I'm, I think it's great, you know, um... Um, I mean, I'm psyched. I'm, I'm psyched that they're doing a, a live-action Titans. I mean, there was a, a period, like, in the first half of the 80s until Crisis, like, Teen Titans, the new Teen Titans was DC's answer to the X-Men, and there even was an X-Men 
Titans, new Titan, new Teen Titans crossover. So I mean, they were that was the like flagship book of DC from like 1980 to 85, say. And um, I feel like those characters haven't got. I mean, you know, um, they haven't gotten necessarily the shine um, that they should. And so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm all for it. I'm definitely for it. I think Anna Diop, she's she's amazing. She's beautiful. Again, I don't... I, the race thing didn't was not a factor whatsoever. The only part of the race thing that you want to mention, or even, and not even race, the ethnicity thing, is the fact that it's about time they're continuing to give actors of color these types of right. roles where they can play whatever character they want to play. I don't mind it. I think it's going to be dope. I've seen... Um, uh, Shouts out to Sun Z, who isn't she is a really, really great cosplayer, friend of the show. She had cosplayed as Starfire earlier this year, I believe, or maybe maybe even last year. But if you look at her photos, it's and, and, and she's she's a black woman, so it's very easy to portray someone who's orange yeah. <laughs> has green eyes. So I mean I, I really didn't have no problem with it. My whole thing is as long as you can act. And you have some interest in that type of either genre or the character itself, and you are going to put your all into it. I'm I'm all for it. I mean, all and obviously, as long as not like all the stuff that we had said that you know I said or like all the problems with Danny Rand, if they had just cast Louis Tan, I mean, then then they they really should have just cast. And it's it's just or if they realized their mistake and just killed him off and made Colleen Wing Iron Fist like. I so I'm I'm yeah I mean I, I it isn't even you know yeah I'm I'm all for it yeah absolutely so the next question comes from Mr T Steph who writes which character voiced by Mark Hamill would you want to be part of your squad or which character is your favorite now to help because Mark Hamill has an extensive list of characters that he's that he's uh, voice acted. I've actually uh, looked through. I have I have a link here for you, Chica. Look through and holy shit! Yeah, I, I definitely didn't know that. He characters. Did. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, obviously everyone knows. Right. Joker. Well, and that's and it's always going to come back to. I mean, for me, um, you know, I don't know if I would want the Joker in my squad, but I mean, that's definitely my favorite. I mean, I don't trust the Joker. No, I mean, <laughs> okay. but in terms of who's my favorite, is definitely going to be uh, the Joker w- without a doubt. Um, in terms of, you know, who I might want in my squad, um, I mean, yeah, no, he, it's, it's pretty extraordinary how many, uh, you know, how many characters he's done here. Um, yeah, I mean, he was, he played, he was the voice of Ozai, Lord Ozai from, uh, the, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, I would want Swamp Thing. He did Swamp Thing. I would want Swamp Thing in my squad. You want Swamp Thing yeah, in Swamp, your, on your Swamp Thing crew? for sure in my squad, but my favorite is the Joker. I mean, his... My favorite. His, I mean, his he, Joker he was is, also like, Solomon is iconic. Grundy. You know? Yeah, he was also Solomon Grundy, too. Right. So. Well, so, yeah, Swamp Thing is not a villain. Solomon Grundy is, so I'm going to... I want a hero in my... An environmental hero in my crew, and, you know, I'll, I'll give him the Joker. Um, I mean, yeah, his Joker is is literally iconic. I mean, it's, it's, it's possible that 50 years from now he'll be known as the Joker and not Luke Skywalker. Well, I, yeah, I don't sure. know. I don't know about that. Yeah, of course you're gonna say um, that. I, I, but. Um, I was gonna say yeah for sure, not really, <laughs> because it, it's too. He's too. He's iconic on many fronts. Right. So I don't think there's ever gonna be a time when you don't know him as one of these things. I really don't. So 
Oh my God. Like this list, honest to God, this list just keeps going on and on. I mean, as much as I don't, wouldn't trust the Joker in my crew, he's a valuable, he's a valuable player. Yeah, but he's going to kill you and take over your crew. Probably. (laughs) Probably. Um, So that's all for you for... Yeah, I'm going to say definitely I would want Swamp Thing in my crew and uh, I would want him or in my squad and I would say that, yeah, his, his Joker is my favorite. He's also Hobgoblin in the like the '90s cartoon. Oh wow, yeah. Um, well, and that was actually I mean Hobgoblin was a huge part of my Spider-Man. You know when I was reading the comics back in the day. But right. I'm sticking with uh, you know I, I, I got I have enough villains all around me. Right. Interesting how a lot of his most of his characters are yeah. villains, but it is what it is. And also, if you guys listening, if you guys have certain characters that you think would be dope in your squad that's been voiced by Mark Hamill, hit us up on at Fanbrill Show on the Twitters or even hit us up on IG. The next question, go ahead and I'll let you read that one. So at uh, Philip Winslow on uh, Instagram, which video game, if any, would you want to see get the Netflix Castlevania treatment? Uh, my vote is Soul Calibur. Um, that's a great yeah, one. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know because, I mean, Soul Calibur actually is in that... Uh, I you know I, I I'm I'm a huge fan of the Naughty Dog you know the Uncharted and um, you know and and they've always been talking about doing a live action Uncharted um, so I don't know if they, see, you know no this I know Castlevania was a yeah. like an American anime but um, or the other one the the zombie one uh, you know with the uh, that they're doing a sequel to the Last yeah, of Us the Last of Us um, so so yours is the Last of Us or one of the yeah I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say uh, the Last of Us because that had that had okay. a lot of heart in it and um, ultimately as much as I like Uncharted I mean it is you know a Lara Croft rip ripoff. Right. I definitely would like to see Metroid, and it's interesting because Adi Shankar, who's one of the producers for Castlevania, had mentioned that uh, back in I believe July that they he wanted to do uh, a Metroid project, and that was, I, just the whole aspect of the Metroid video game. It is very dark inherently, so it would work regardless. But the real hurdle is Nintendo because Nintendo is always family this, family that. So you know who really knows if that's gonna go through. Did you play the original Metroid? Because I, I definitely did. Like I, I had the NES yeah. and I played the first Legend of Zelda and the first Metroid. Like those were, those those were you know big. But that was that might be a little before your time. I can't say I played the original. Right. No. Wow. But 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 I'm sure those were the first two <laughs> Nintendo games. Well, and Super Mario Brothers because it came it came with Super Mario yeah, Brothers Mario, and Duck Hunt. But those were like the three that I spent the most time on were Super Mario Brothers, the original Metroid, and the first Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Would you think Legend of Zelda would be a good? Yes. Game actually, game? I take it back. I'm yeah. actually gonna yes, a hundred percent. I was just thinking in terms of like video games that I play. It's insane to me that they haven't done more Legends of Zelda, Legend of Zelda stuff in more media. Like Legend of Zelda should. I mean, I guess they did do a TV show at one point. Maybe did they do a Legend of Zelda TV show? I don't know. I would love to see. Yes, I would love to see Legend mm-hmm. of Zelda. That thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I figured you would want yeah. that one. And, and and we've seen. I mean, Zelda has been in so many different iterations from the very cartoony to the somewhat serious. So I I would love to see just a real. Damn, I guess I guess what's Castlevania considered R? Oh yeah, or, it was R. Yeah, for sure. It was R. Okay, so I would love Eyeballs to see how they were going. Eyeballs popping out, and you know, <laughs> there was a, a baby got burned alive at one point. 
uh, by yeah. demons. I mean, it was, they weren't playing. Right, I do recall that. Happened. And if you want to hear two uh, sort of <laughs> differing views on uh, on it, you could definitely check out Scream Squad and Outlaw Bars. Because mm-hmm. the week it came out, you know, we covered uh, we covered a Scream Squad as you know uh, horror, and um, Outlaw Bars covered it as as anime. So I mean, you know, you can uh, you, if if you haven't, you should check those out. And finally, the last question comes from Adlidge. They write. Would you rather be A, permanently sticky, or B, permanently itchy for the rest of your life? I mean, definitely neither for sure. But and I'm sure Ben Ben would shout <laughs> pause here. But I'm gonna I would go with you have to pick. I would go with sticky. Um, you know, itchy is just I mean is is just what very uncomfortable. It's, yeah, I mean, like you would go you would literally lose your mind. Whereas just being sticky would be annoying. Um, you right, and, right. And, and I th- I think being permanently sticky, you would learn to stop touching right. things. <laughs> you would learn you to get just used to it and, and adapt to it. Whereas there's just no way to adapt. Like they don't you, or you would just have to just cover yourself in like calamine lotion every day. So yeah, I'm gonna go exactly. with. What about you? I'm going with sticky. I'm gonna for the same exact reasons you said. Yeah. I would go to sticky. I, I would much rather just have. Even though it was for the rest of my life, just a, a lifelong annoyance versus a lifelong just being torture. totally uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really torture. All right, so if you have a question for the fan bros, could be a question such as, do you, would you rather be sticky or itchy? Or it could be a very serious question. Or maybe you want us to name your children. It's been done before. Yes. And we'll do it again. Hit us up. Contact at fanbros.com. You can also send us your Guacus extra question on the Twitters. You can also send it on IG. Anywhere we can reach fan bros, send in your question. Yeah, I'm kind of and cu- I'm that, curious about yeah? the genesis of that question. Like how <laughs> I don't know, Chico, but I, I don't think there's some things in life you'll never right. know. Thank you so much for listening to this dope episode. Make sure you are subscribed to Fan Bros Show on SoundCloud, iTunes. Uh oh, get that's all, that's right. We're on Spotify. Spotify yeah, Spotify. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know if you know that news. Channel, I know it. But yes, I know it. All the all the shows, including your own, yep, right. <laughs> Screen Squad is on there. So yes, you can literally find us anywhere. So really quick, we also have what well, Ben I mean is not here, but his favorite segment, comics I caught. And this week it will be another quick brief. I just wanted to definitely mention. Hashtag Kirby 100. It was just this past um, August 28th. It was celebrating Jack Kirby's 100th birthday. Yeah, Monday or Tuesday. I mean, Jack Kirby is definitely the most important, uh, you know, person in in comics. Um, I mean, it's sort of, you know, you know, he's on a list of, you know, you can argue, you know, five or ten different people. But in terms of like, I mean, a lot of the stuff, frankly, that Stan Lee gets credit for is actually, you know, Jack Kirby did. And he had a whole career for like 20 mm. years before he started teaming up with He created he co-created Captain America in 1941. You know, the Fantastic right. 4 was created in in like 1961. He did Spider-Man and yeah. like all the main, the big main all of them. Made them. I mean, right? Fantastic 4 and then all the, you know, Silver Surfer, Black Panther, all the important characters that come out of there, the X-Men, the Hulk, Thor, um, the Avengers. I mean, it's 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 like almost the entire Marvel universe, um, and people don't realize that about Spider Man because 
Kirby created it, the character, but then Steve Ditko drew the comic. So, you know, Kirby doesn't get a lot of credit for that. And um, he definitely didn't have royalties. He he was like, uh, you know, he did not make a lot of money in his lifetime. And only very, very recently, like probably since we started Fanbros, did he actually, like his estate, finally settle with Marvel and now he, you'll notice he gets his name is on the movies as well. It's a you know like um, Agents of Shield at the beginning. It says based on characters created by Stanley and Jack Kirby, um, but he did not get you know either financial or credit for a lot of the stuff. And um, there was a big deal. Marvel kept his art. If you went on a tour of Marvel back in mm-hmm. like the sixties and seventies, they would just give you a page of art. They would just get and and often it was a Jack Kirby, and he was so fast that he could draw like five comics a month, whereas most people back then could do two, and now people can barely wow. do one because uh, it's right. gotten a lot. Well, it's gotten a lot more uh, detailed, and I think there's also people get you know they end up uh, you know they're playing video games or they start surfing the internet, but you know he was doing like five comics a month, and so. Even to the, I mean, certainly up until like 1980, like, you know, or 1970, like in the 60s, Jack Kirby drew most of Marvel's comics. Like, that's that's not an exaggeration. Yeah. So, and then just, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of really good articles um, that came out on August 28th, which is his birthday. Um, And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's impossible to, uh, like, He's everything. I mean, when it comes to not just superhero comics, and 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 that, right, that's the absolutely. key thing. Um, absolutely. Also, also happening this week, or or it has happened, the Secret Empire series has uh, ended, or for some people it will be ending. They're probably reading it right now. Uh, the Secret Empire crossover actually wrapped up, where the Avengers make their final stand against Hydra Supreme Steve Rogers. I know a lot of people were really irritated about this story, but Benjamin has been reading it, and he will review the entire story very soon. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's funny. I mean, well, not funny, but I mean, given all these events and, you know, with Nazis and, you know, Confederate and, you know, like whatever, I mean, it's sort of, you know, I've seen Nick Spencer kind of defending himself, being like, no, we pitched this story, like, back in 2015, and, you know... I, I knew he was going to say that, but really, when I think about it, would it have really mattered if it came out in 2015? Right. You're turning Steve Rogers, oh, yeah. who's created by two Jewish men, into that? Yeah, no, no, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just more Captain America, like, on the Jack Kirby's first cover. I mean, yeah, so Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, both Jewish guys, created Captain America. He's punching Hitler in the face. Like, that's what... That's what Captain America represents, and so right. yeah, I mean, so it, to really go this, I I just don't. I think it's again, yeah, they're they're just reaching too far. I mean, it's the same thing. There's an upcoming yeah. Wonder Woman storyline that's all about her secret brother, and it's like really, like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> like on an island that's only women, there's actually a dude, and it's Wonder Woman's brother. Like, I just think they're they're some of these they're they're just reaching too far. Um, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just, this is a bit much, and and people are to me rightfully. Some people are rightfully upset about it. However, I understand they they were trying to go in a different direction, and and, and you see what they end up. So you'll get that review from Ben Amin pretty soon. Check out fanbros.com. In the meantime, I know Chico, you've heard about the Hellboy controversy that 
actually wasn't that long of a controversy because it got squashed by the very actor that was involved in it. So I think it's a turning uh, point. So Ed Ed Screen Screen Ed Screen Ed Screen or Ed Screen. Right. I'm so not sure and and I mean he was the guy. He was the bad guy in Deadpool, right? Like um, the guy who yeah. he, he kidnapped. He, well, we found out he, he played Dario 1.0 in Game of Thrones. Right. Oh, oh, that's right. He was Vega. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, you can't tell because he didn't have all the pretty Barbie. Right, hair. right, right, right. <laughs> that's right. Who I wish they had never recast him actually. Um, yeah, he was. He was no, fine, yeah. Well, no, he actually went off to like pursue some kind of hip hop. Or no, he went off to star, I believe, in the TV series of the Transporter, if I'm not mistaken. But basically, I think it's a turning point because he was cast and then found out that the character that he was supposed to play was of Japanese descent, and then he actually right. be, now that an actor has actually publicly come out and turned it down. I think that this is, I mean, this is a far cry from Scarlett Johansson being like, well, I'm oh, approaching yeah. it from a feminist point of view, not a right. racial, you know. All this bullshit. Right, so like, I actually this. think that this is this is an actual turning point um, and that, you know, we're, we're going to see a lot less of this, that, you know, uh, basically, it's now, it's now, you know, if actors, if actors, you know, after this, I don't think another actor can take a role, you know, another, you know, white or light-skinned actor can take a role that was meant, you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. that this is... Well, you, well, you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to we'll happen. We'll see, because, because this, I feel like, is a club is... that they could be hit with, you know? I mean... Absolutely, but my whole thing is, from how this started in the first place, this is not the first time whitewashing has been this huge thing in the media or in social space, and for them to even cast him in the first place, granted, he said he didn't know about it, but for for them to even view him as a viable candidate for that particular position, uh, Major Ben Daimo, Daimo, I'm just like, what? Like, just the fact that y'all even did that in the first right. place, it, it was it was a little odd to me. To I wanted to read just a little bit of Ed Screen's of his Twitter, of his tweet that he released, which basically was him saying he turned on the role. The last part of it, he mentions representation of ethnic diversity is important, especially to me as I have a mixed heritage family. It's our responsibility to make moral decisions in difficult times and to give voice to inclusivity. It is my hope that one day these discussions will become less necessary and that we can make equal representation in the arts a reality. And he said he's sad to leave Hellboy, but if his decision brings him or brings us closer to that day, it's worth it. And he hopes it makes a difference. So, yeah, to your point, Chico, perhaps this may be a turning point that now, not that these actors didn't get scrutinized already, but they would be... 10 times, 100 times more scrutinized if they are in these positions. I had said it last week on the episode with Ben. You can say no. I, I, I know people say, well, they're, I know people say, well, that's their livelihood and they got to do this and this. You can say no. Well, and he, yeah, that's, no. and that's why I think it's a, a turning point because he did say no. You know what I mean? Like, you now right. have this as a precedent. And that that to me is, you know, I mean, anyone who tries to do this now is going to be clubbed with this, with you know, well, Ed Screen, you know. And so I, I think that this will this will make I mean, look, it doesn't it doesn't hurt that, um, you know, I, I think had they cast a Japanese person that um, whatchamacallit, the Scarlett Johansson, you know, that the ghost ghost in the shell. 
I think mm-hmm. that d- despite it being a bad movie, it probably would have been a much bigger. Uh, it probably would have done a lot better because it was such a spit in the eye to the actual entire fan base. You know, um, I same thing with like Death Note. On um, you know, I think a lot more people would be talking about Death Note if they hadn't whitewashed it on you know on Netflix. So um, well, yeah, or maybe, or maybe they in terms of ghost in the shell they wouldn't have taken the mind of a japanese woman and put them inside of a right but it still would have been a white you know i mean yeah no i agree um but i'm just saying like it it, it, it's it's you know the numbers it's the numbers are also show you know hollywood is a business and so i i definitely think the combination of the fact that they've had some duds and then you know this guy coming out and taking a stand I think it will mm-hmm. be an actual sort of turning point, which is great, you know? Um, right. It's a long time well, coming. Well, let's also help the casting with Shazam goes very well because the movie has officially begun pre-production. There has been talks in the streets that they are already starting to search for a kid, Billy Batson. Right. He's the one he turns into um, Captain Marvel. Y- Right. How old is Billy Batson typically portrayed He's as? young. I mean, he's like 10. Is he like 10 Yeah, young? he's like 10 or wow. even younger. He's like Ash Ketchum. Yeah, okay. I mean, he's really young. I mean, he's definitely not, not a teenager by any means. Um, so I don't know any super young kids that that I would think of off the bat to play that character. No, me neither. I know a lot of young young girls, but, but young little boys, I'm not sure. Right. I'm not sure, but that'd be interesting to see who they come up with. Also, Evangeline Lilly over on Twitter, she actually revealed a little of her Ant-Man and the Wasp costume. Did you have any opinions on that? Well, yeah, so she, the Wasp was actually one of the original Avengers, and I never understood why they didn't make her, why they didn't put her in the Avengers originally. Um, I've actually always been a huge fan of the Wasp, and so I'm really psyched. I also liked... The Ant-Man movie, despite the, uh, you know, uh, Teo Tomasing of uh, Michael, uh, what's his face? You know, the one, the first time we get a Latino character in a, in a, mm-hmm. in a movie, you know, he's literally, you know, um, doing the, the Latin version of an Uncle Tom. But I actually, despite <laughs> that, I liked uh, what's his face as Ant-Man. I, I like Evangeline Lilly. And so... Yeah, I um, I'm actually really looking forward to this. Um, I liked Ant-Man m- way more than I liked Doctor Strange. Um, I agree. And, pro- and more than I liked Thor. Yeah, I mean, I really, I liked, so I, I have high hopes. And so she, it was on Jack Kirby's birthday that she revealed the costume, and Jack Kirby created both Ant-Man and the Wasp, and um, along with, you know, almost everyone else of that era of Marvel. So I'm all for it. I'm, I'm, I'm psyched. Uh, I'm not sure when that's coming out at this point. I mean, there's so many Marvel movies, but... Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I I enjoyed uh, I enjoy and I I liked him in uh, in Civil War too. Absolutely, one of the there's a project coming out that I I've, I have never heard about, but I think it looks really cool, particularly from the production shots. There is a South African western that has been made called Five Fingers for Marseille, and this western they're calling it a neo western, right. and again something that's not exactly. Uh, that you see a lot in African cinema. But this is, uh, the filmmaking duo is Michael Matthews and Sean Drummond. And it's set, the the film is set over a 20 year period where it follows the, um, it's in the South African town of Marseille. 
Marsai, and the it's about a character named Tao who kills three policemen in an act of passion. And basically he has to flee and you kind of watch him over his journey of this 20 year period about, um, well, he did get, does get caught, but you see him released from prison and then you kind of follow him as he goes through this. But again, this is all Western style as well. And from the shots that I've seen, it looks really gorgeous. I'm really interested to see in how they play this whole thing out. Um, it is going to have a world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival on September 7th. So have you heard or seen this? Yeah, I actually, at Afropunk, Leo was telling me about, like, he had seen the trailer. um, And so I think it was because he had seen the trailer and he was talking about it. And so, yeah, it sounds great. Um, And, yeah, I don't know. Next year, maybe, uh, you know, we got to, Fambro's got to go to uh, Toronto. uh, Absolutely, yeah. man. Absolutely, man. Um, yeah, no, also, I'm looking looking forward to it. I mean, if it's premiering in Toronto in September, mm-hmm. it should probably be out before the end of the year here. Right. And also in, in some new projects, um, and this is really for the TV side, there is going to be a 10-episode sci-fi anthology called Electric Dreams that is being produced by Brian Cranston, amongst others. It's going to be stories based on Philip K. Dick novels, and it's going to premiere on Channel 4 UK and then eventually move over to Amazon Video. A couple of the people involved in this series, and, and I've seen from the trailer, is Terrence Howard, Janelle Monet, Steve Buscemi, Benedict Wong, Anna Paquin, and just a whole bunch of other people. And it seems to me like this is going to be their answer or Amazon's answer to Black Right, Mirror. right. It's funny because Janelle Monet, the electric lady in, in Electric Dreams. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's from the original Blade Runner title is Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Um, right. uh, that was the name of it's, the Philip K. Dick book. Um, yeah, so exactly. yeah, so, that sh- I mean, that should be great. And it's produced by Brian Cranston. Um, right. And he's actually going to, I saw, uh, he was in the trailer, so he's going to be right. acting at some point in, in the 10 episodes. Speaking of Black Mirror, there had been news that some of the cast will include some people you recognize, one being Shuri, a.k.a. Letitia Wright, and also Michaela Cole from Chewing Gum fame. Rip, rip they Chewing are Gum. Be- yeah. <laughs> well, r- r- rest in peace, Chewing Gum, for a little bit. You you never know if No, and I think it's back. also because she's going on to do bigger and better things. Right. She, she's and a she, star. Yeah, so, yeah, she said that she's wanted to, and, and rightfully so, When as a creative, you want to be able to to expand, but but the true gun may be back later. But yeah, she's will be including Tisha will be one of the people, the new cast for the fourth season of Black Mirror. It's going to feature six new stories. Um, so let your dreams have four up on them. But if they're not good stories, it kind of doesn't matter. Right. But I, I'm I'm all, I've always been a big Black Mirror fan. Watch those things religiously. So I'm really excited to see um, from the trailer. It looked again really dope. And uh, you know, Game of Thrones might be uh, might be over, well, over for for a year or so. But uh, Kid Harrington, two years, yeah, it's not, <laughs> not coming back. They say till twenty nineteen. Although supposedly we're getting, you know, like every episode is going to be almost feature film length. They're going to be like seventy five to like ninety minutes. Ninety minutes, right? But, right, which is okay. With yeah, that. I mean, well, it's it's hard. I mean, it's hard. You know, I mean. 
If you're getting a look, because isn't it? It's a very limited number. Yeah, it's just going to be six. Anyways. This year was seven, and, so, and then it's just going to be six. I mean, they're really wrapping. So I it would up. rather. I would rather they be longer. Right. No, I I time. agree. I mean, those are all going to be events. I mean, HBO is going to crash every Sunday night. You know, whenever that comes back. <laughs> but Kid Harrington is actually playing his real life ancestor, Robert Catesby. Um, I, I'm not sure how, and, and it's in in the gunpowder plot, which, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Is the thing that Guy Fawkes um, was, yes. yeah, exactly, that, you know. Um, that he is often attributed to Guy Fawkes. Right, Fox, so uh, that's the what, idea of blowing know, up Parliament. V for Vendetta, you know, like the, the, that, inf- yeah. you know, that's a, uh, and, and, I mean, obviously V for Vendetta is, is you know, contemporary, but, you know, that that's the, the Guy Fawkes mask that the guy that V wears and that Anonymous has adopted and right. all that other stuff comes from the gunpowder plot where they actually tried to blow up Parliament. Um, and, you know, it didn't it didn't work, <laughs> you know. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, work. it's kind of crazy that he can trace his uh, ancestry back because that was like in, like, that, the yeah, 1600s. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's and it's good to see Jon Snow doing something different, and I'm sure we'll see some more projects. Like, in fact, Lena Headley that plays a uh, Cersei, she is in a music video too that just came out. So it's it's and it's and it's really funny seeing her. It's like she's dating like King Edward. The, yeah, one of the like a the Shakespearean. Uh, yeah. yeah, I actually so wait if people um you got to go back and watch um the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Lena Headey mm-hmm. plays um Sarah Connor yes. in that and I had watched that before so that's what I knew her as, you know, before. I mean obviously, you know, she'll always be Cersei from now on, but definitely um you know, she has, she has like a, you know, a, hu- a huge body of work. I did see Kit Harrington in um they made a movie of MI5 which was a a British uh like spy show and the the show was fantastic but the movie was really whack and it and it starred him um i think that they were trying to do like a british like mission impossible um jason bourne type thing and it just it, it didn't work but it, you'll yeah. see it's it's actually still on cable on one of the networks mi5 it's not great but the tv show mi5 which was called spooks in um in britain uh is is actually really really uh you know it's it's a fantastic show but so that's the only thing i've seen kid harrington in but i'm hoping that the gunpowder plot will be much better another interesting role lena hetty was in was when she was uh, mama or mama in Judge Dredd. That's right. Oh Judge my God, Dredd I can't believe in Dredd. Yeah, Dredd. Yeah. yeah, and and in Dredd. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the newer and that and I think Jessica that's such Dredd, an yeah. underrated movie. She was so. It's actually it. pretty good. And and they're they're <laughs> talking Keith about Carl Urban. Yeah, right? and that and that has yeah the your dude um uh yeah Bones Carl yeah and so um the uh they're talking about making a, a a tv show based on that dread and i that was really really good like that was the best comic book movie of that year um i mean i'm kind of talking out of my ass because i'm not sure what year it came out, <laughs> i'm gonna say someone gonna no tell you it was really dope ass, dread is really really good um hi that was definitely a uh, a pick of the week one week um uh, as was as was chewing gum um but yeah absolutely Right. And also, uh, going just quickly going back to Leticia again, she has confirmed on Twitter, because Twitter is the source of record for right. all important things, she has confirmed that she is going to also be appearing in Avengers Affinity War. So, we already know that Chadwick T'Ch- Boseman, a.k.a. T'Challa, will be there. Deny Guriva will be there. 
Uh, Winston Duke Mbaku and Manate will be there, and now we know for sure that Shuri will be there. As right. Well. So Wakanda, Wakanda, and possibly Vibranium will play a big role. Right. And rounding out this TV news, the season three or another trailer for the season three, Mr. Robot has just come out. Mr. Robot will be dropping on October 11th. I'm looking forward to it because Mr. Robot, again, just a huge, huge deal to me. It was definitely a breakout when it first happened. And, and again, it's just been a monumental series, particularly how it's shot and written. I really love it. So how do you feel about the, uh, I don't know if you Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very psyched it? for it. I, to yeah. be honest with you, I thought it was the best pilot I'd ever seen. And I loved season one. Yeah. I mean, I loved it. I thought season two took a little bit of a step back and was just a little too sort of self-indulgent, maybe. I don't know. like, yeah. And the pacing of it, like half of season two is you think he's, you know... He, there, there were portions in yeah. season two that were a little soggy. So, yeah, but, I mean, so. yes, I'm very much looking forward to it. I think it's a huge achievement on, like you were saying, on almost every creative level. Um, and, um, I, yeah, I... Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'll be on October 11th. You can, you, you know, I'll be watching. You know, episode one of season three of Mister Robot, like the second it airs. Very good, Chico. And since you're here, that means we have another special segment before we get out of here. Chico's pick of the week. Ah, uh, thank you. Um, so it's been actually a uh, a little fallow period in TV, which is what allowed me to go back and actually do with my whole Agents of Shield watch. As people might know, I uh, you know I had I watched the first two episodes and then gave up on it. But then when everyone said it got dope, it got to, you know I just didn't have the time. So this uh, summer I've actually um, I'm almost caught up. I'm halfway through season four, and. Um, but that's actually not what my, my recommendation is. My recommendation, my pick <laughs> of the week is Narcos Season 3 starts this Friday, mm. September 1st. I think Narcos is underrated. It's one of the great Netflix shows. The first two seasons are about um, them going after Pablo Escobar. And they're continuing right. it. And they're, and it actually, the first two seasons of that do actually tie in with Snowfall. Which a lot of people might have been watching. Um, which has, has been pretty good, actually. Um, Snowfall is about the early days of crack in um, L.A. But it, it's got a lot of story about the CIA. You know, using, bringing in cocaine to fund the Contras. And that was a big part of the first couple of seasons seasons of narcos and so um spoiler alert if you didn't if you weren't watching it they do kill pablo escobar at the end of season two but they're going to continue with the rise of like the midian and the kali and cartels which were big you know in like the 90s and the aughts and move into like sort of the mexico stuff and ultimately it's completely relevant today i mean that's the excuse that um, it's both the cause of a lot of refugees, which and and the excuse that Donald Trump is using to build his ridiculous wall, and so um, it is interesting to see. You know, I, I am interested to see how they sort of pick it up. I mean, Pablo Escobar was the guy. I mean, he was more than just a huge drug dealer. I mean, he also was this almost like Tupac, Robin Hood type mythological figure. Um, He was, you know, the most popular person in in Colombia. And um, so, yeah, season three starts. And also, I'm not sure if they're going to continue with these guys, but one of the two DEA agents was played by um, 
Pablo, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was um, mm-hmm. the uh, uh, Martell, uh, you know, the Sand Snake on um, on Game of Thrones. Oh. Not the Sand Snake, yeah. the you know, the dude who was, uh, yeah, yeah, the dude who was married to the to the or whose lover was the the woman who uh, ended up chained up with her daughter to watch her daughter die. So yeah, I mean it's it's got and the guy who played Pablo Escobar was incredible. Um so it's like it's a little under the radar like people don't talk about it but it's really good. It's mostly in Spanish, you know, subtitled. Um although, you know, a fair amount of stuff anything with like Americans is in English, but um and it's just, you know, it's like epic, you know, because it's Netflix and the big budget and Tenor, you know, and they've done. You can go on Netflix, and you see they, they've they've been importing a lot of um, foreign TV shows, and so there are other stuff about Pablo Escobar, but none of it come is anywhere near as good as Narcos. And Narcos is starting this Friday, so check it out. Thank you, thank you, Chico. And as always, please make sure you again are subscribed to Fan Bro Show. We are on Spotify, Google Play Music. We are on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, pretty much any podcast aggregator, any podcast area you could think of, we're on there. In addition, please be advised, we will, some of us anyway, will be at DragonCon this weekend. I, You know you'll definitely see myself, Tatiana King-Jones, and you'll see Deadly Diva there. So if you see us, please definitely stop by and say what's up. Make sure you show us your amazing cosplay. If you're cosplaying, you may end up on fanbros.com. And always, if you like to join the Fanbros team, whether you want to write, do art, help us out with an event, whatever your idea may be, hit us up, contact at fanbros.com. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, please make sure you're doing your part to help everyone affected by Hurricane Harvey because we love you and we want to make sure that everybody is living their best life. Fan bros, hey, 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 we are the best.